0: from mpb think radio this is deep south dining the show all about the culture of southern flavor good morning i'm malcolm white here with carol puckett today we are only two ways away from christmas two days away next to thanksgiving christmas dinner is another meal that usually is planned well ahead and thought out so today we will share some tips on how to make your holiday meal one to remember Also, we'll share a conversation we had recently with chef and TV personality, Carla Hall. We'll also look at 2020 and New Year's traditions. Join us here at MPB. Call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. This is Deep South Dining.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide cows being sung by a choir. Folks dressed up like Eskimo.
0: Good morning. You're listening to a holiday version of Deep South Dining. Malcolm White here with my forever friend, Carol Puckett. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Mal. It's been a rattle-tattle morning, hasn't it? It has
3: been, but I just want to say to you, you better watch out. You better not cry.
0: I know why. You
3: better not pout.
0: Because I want to have a big meal.
3: Because bell and you want (laughs) Santa Claus to come down your chimney.
0: Absolutely. So how was your weekend? It is Monday morning here at MPB Think Out Radio.
3: Well for me it's it's a week of cooking like many of our listeners. We are putting the big pot in the little pot and getting all ready for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. What's going on at your house?
0: Well uh, there was a uh, banana nut bread uh, baked over the weekend, which was delicious. There was some chicken spaghetti uh, casserole made, which was fantastic. Uh, I must say I ate very well over the weekend. Uh, And uh, as we are preparing for the Christmas meal, we, uh, Kara and I have made up a menu, and uh, she's been doing most of the shopping. She's running around a little bit this morning. I unfortunately locked her out of the house this morning. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, it's always That's something. That's just not the Christmas spirit Mel. No, not not good on my part.
3: Yeah, you need to go roast some chestnuts on an <laughs> open fire for her.
0: <laughs> so she won't be calling, and if she does call, she will not be happy. So anyway, we'd love to hear from you if you want to talk about holiday, special holiday meals, Christmas, Hanukkah, you want to talk about new year's day and one thing in particular carol you and i were interested in is christmas breakfast everybody talks about the big oh, meal yeah. what about christmas breakfast and i sent you an email about some suggestions about different things for the breakfast
3: well for for my christmas breakfast it's going to be shrimp and grits Ooh. and uh i've got all my ingredients um I'm ready to roll with that. And I'm using a recipe of John Currens' from City Grocery.
4: Big bad. That I've
3: breakfast. had, yeah, I've had squirreled away for a long time. And then today I'm spending the afternoon making artichoke lasagna. <sighs> now, that may not sound Christmassy for you. Sounds Christmasy to me. My uh, good friend Donna Barksdale loves artichoke lasagna. And so that's what I give her for Christmas. And I'm kind of starting to do that. I don't know about you as you know give give people food and i want them to give it to me back it it, it's better than than having things at some point
0: go buy something yeah no i think a a food gift is a beautiful gift
3: and then i'm going out to look for a fruitcake for my mom
0: Uh uh-huh your mom loves the fruitcake
3: my mother is probably one of the few people in the world that loves a fruit well at least in this in this world i mean fruitcakes are very maligned
0: Mm, it's unfortunate it's unfortunate. You know, last weekend we were recorded. Uh, we were not live. We had a, a program that we had taped earlier with Chef David Rains from the Flora Butcher and.
3: Boy, that was an. He's an interesting guy.
0: Yeah, it, fascinating stuff. Uh, I yeah. bet
3: he's cutting some meat. This Don't you morning. know? He's, Don't you he's he's know backlogged. That shop
0: is- that <laughs> shop <laughs> is rocking and rolling. And uh, after
3: we talked about the fact that they process, individually process deer, don't you know they're just lined up out there in be. Florida, Mississippi. Need extra traffic light.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> or at least add one. I right. I'd love to uh, encourage our Coast listeners to listen via the app or online at mpbonline.org because we're having a touch of transmitter issues down around the coast so if you're in the lower sixth um counties of the state you might want to uh tune in via uh, the uh, app or mpbonline.org to hear us today others across the state you should be coming in loud and clear we'd love to hear from you if you want to talk about Christmas Hanukkah holidays New Year's Day New Year's Eve um we're wide open for those kind of conversations one eight seven seven m p b ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or you can shoot us an email at food at m p b dot so how many folks you got coming for christmas girl
3: well i I have i guess fourteen Christmas Eve, and there's just gonna be me and my mom on christmas morning and that that's nice
0: that's sweet.
3: Yeah. I'm the oldest of six children, and when you multiply that out by all the grandchildren and nieces and nephews, and we did that yesterday. There were 43. Wow. So I'm kind of, you know, winding down here to just uh, shrimp and grits with my mom.
0: That's great. So we have uh, Kara's parents coming in from Richmond, Virginia. We have my daughter, (coughs) um, Zita, and her husband, Webb, and the two grandchildren, Wilder and Wren, coming over. <laughs> so in the afternoon, probably around two or three, we will set the table and, and have a big feast uh, at our house. We're having a standing uh, rib roast oh. and uh, mashed potatoes with horseradish, uh, squash casserole, uh, and a, a really fruitful salad with fresh fruits and oranges and such so we're very excited about that and what is your part of the meal uh to prepare i haven't haven't been assigned a uh a portion i tell you carol's the predominant cook in our house i i get over on the side what and do a my change
3: thing. i mean i always think of you as the predominant cook and now you've been kind of sidelined yeah, it's fine so, with me I, I know i know that it's fine she, with you. she's me. a better cook than but i but i know so many people are in their kitchens right now i would just love to hear from somebody from what's going on and i know you know hanukkah started last night and there um a lot of Hanukkah kitchens going on, too. There are a lot of potato latkes being prepared. The old
0: latkes. I've read a lot on the social media about latkes this yeah. week. Yeah,
3: and I read a great story about a, uh, a, a bakery. It's called the Kosher Pastry Oven in Silver Springs outside of Washington. And they do this donut, and they sell fifteen to 18,000 of them during Goodness. Hanukkah. And, uh, it, you know, it, it does have a Hebrew name. I cannot... Pronounce it. I think it would. It's Sufganiot. Uh, I know. Me. I'm, I'm a Southern girl, Southern Baptist. <laughs> it's good, it's uh, a good tribe. It's a good. It's a we, good tribe. We mean anyway, well. We mean well. They don't even let people pre-order anymore. They're oh. all about being fair, and so people have to line up. And they talk about people crying and lying <laughs> You know,
0: <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. <Yeah. laughs>
3: like if I don't get my donuts, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But I sure would like to hear what some other people are making this morning.
0: Yeah, you know, it used to pretty much be the turkey dressing and sides. Uh, but, um, you know, I, we have branched out. We decided no turkey this year. We're going standing rib roast, which is, which is great. Love that. All right. Um, so what, um, what tips do you have? You know, you've been really good uh, leading up to Thanksgiving. About tips for listeners, uh, what, what to, well, gonna to organize. Well, I'm going to go back,
3: back to my always my best cooking for a crowd tip, mm-hmm. and that is today. Today. Not tomorrow. Two, two days today, before Christmas. Two days before Christmas. Uh-huh. Pull all of your your china, your place settings, and get out those Post-it notes. Mm. Find the dishes that these dishes are going to go in, and go ahead and label it. You do not want chaos on Christmas morning. No. And just some other, just general Not tip. even as a
0: side dish. You don't want chaos. Yeah,
3: And, and I'm going to tell you some things. Even if you are not cooking, if you are going somewhere okay. and you are bringing something, yes. just don't walk in with the cold casserole and surprise the
0: cook. And say, I need a space in your oven. I forgot yes. to let you know.
3: Yes. I mean, this. Right. this bring happens all the time. Either bring it warm or arrange beforehand. You know, and tell somebody it's coming. Don't, just show up and throw that in, right. at, you know, at the last minute, and and that's that's just a a nice and thing.
0: don't bring flowers. Is that another tip?
3: Well, yeah, that's and that's a good tip because people think you know flowers. It's a beautiful gift, but mm-hmm. in a chaos meal like Thanksgiving and Christmas, the cook who's juggling casseroles and turkeys and all this has to stop, go find a vase, uh, you know, uh, cut the the yeah. stems off the flowers. So it's better to bring a of wine, champagne, even a little potted plant. Hmm. I mean, a hostess gift is lovely, but the best uh, host and hostess gift of all is a thank you note after the meal. It's a a lovely
0: tradition that we need to uh, make sure we're
3: keeping up.
0: Good advice, Carol. We have a caller. Evelyn is calling in from Jackson. Hey, Evelyn, how are you?
5: Hey. Our family does Christmas a little differently.
0: Please share. (laughs)
5: Tell us. My mother is from Switzerland, and in Europe, um, her father, and even today, well, her father used to get off at noon on the 24th, and today they get all of the 24th off. And the tree doesn't go up till Christmas Eve, and um, at 6 o'clock, the parents decorate it, and at 6 o'clock, the church bells ring, and the kids can come in, and uh, so forth and so on. But in terms of food, our Christmas dinner... Even though it's going to be what, seventy degrees in Mississippi and this is Switzerland's go to cold, deep, cold alpine meal. Mm. We have cheese fondue. And the reason Oh
3: my goodness. That's wonderful.
5: And part of the reason we do it is we buy it in packets. So you cut open the packet, depending upon how many people there you may need two or three pots and somebody stirs all the pots, and somebody uh, makes sure the bread gets into the oven, and, and uh, now that we are older and need healthier options than bread, well, somebody has to sting some broccoli or something like that, and the salad's made ahead of time, and that's it. <laughs> and,
3: <laughs> that's pretty simple. <laughs> I, is, I would love to mean, come to your house. That sounds and, wonderful.
5: And it's so simple. It's You know, at some point, uh, when the kids were little, they'd be playing with their toys and we didn't want to interrupt them saying, open the next gift, open the next gift. Right. You know, cause you want them to appreciate what they've got, you know. And so we'd just let them play and we'd go in the kitchen and we'd start this meal and we'd eat and then we'd eat and then we'd go open more presents again. But, you know, if I'm, now we do a turkey at some point during the holidays when it's cold enough to heat the oven. <laughs> but but cheese fondue is Christmas dinner, no matter if it's thirty or eighty outside. And you heard
3: it here on Deep South yeah, that's Dining. Right.
0: Make, keep it simple, folks. Yeah. Keep it simple.
5: Thanks,
3: Evelyn. Take Thanks so
0: much, and happy holidays and to you,
3: Malcolm. I've got some food trivia for you. I okay. was trying to think up some things that you know that you might not have heard before. And do you know which country sells the most Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas Day?
0: The country that sells the most Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas Day. I'm going to guess Japan.
3: You looked at my notes. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, I just... How did you come up with Japan? Just
0: Well, I figure they're looking for something other than... The tradi- their normal, uh, you know, menus, and I just thought they're big consumers of of chicken. Well,
3: you are a mighty wizard, but it is true. <laughs> I got lucky. It is true. It, I is, got lucky. it is Japan. It is a forty year tradition because forty years ago, Kentucky Fried Chicken did this marketing campaign, and it was aimed towards foreigners who were in Japan for the holidays to make them come in. Wow. But uh, 3.6 million Japanese families eat Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas.
0: That's, That's a great fact. That's a nice tidbit. Tidbit. All right. It's time for our first break today. And when we come back, we're going to share. This will be our present to our listeners. We're going to share a conversation we had with Chef Carla Hall. She was in Jackson a couple of weeks ago for an event with our great friend, Chef Enrica Williams, and we talked to her and Enrica about how they got together, how Mississippi influenced her latest cookbook. So stay tuned, uh, and we'll be right back with Chef Carla Hall, Carol Puckett, and myself. More Deep South Dining right after this. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett. Just days away from Christmas, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, and Hanukkah has already started. So happy holidays, everyone. And we're very curious about your food traditions that you might celebrate. All right. We're going to go the phones here. We got Bill calling from Greenwood. Hey, Bill. What's going on, buddy?
2: Oh, not too much. Uh, Finally found out. Recipe for my mince pie, so I'm gonna be having. A, I'm gonna be making a mince pie, and uh, also I like fruit cake too. Uh, I heard the lady talk talk about fruit cake, and uh, I'm gonna to try to make my own little fruit cake. I'm, I'm not gonna use a, a citron and buy the candy fruit, but just natural fruit. And I was wondering, uh, what about the the the, the, the cake? Uh, uh, do you use a cake mix or like a spice? Cake mixed with nuts in or do you have to use like white flour or what do you
3: Um do? I, I have never personally made a fruit cake but I actually got out a recipe this weekend in case I couldn't find one from my mom since it's her favorite thing and on the internet there is a f- great recipe uh, from the King Arthur Flour website. And uh, I would highly recommend it, but it, it does have you know flour and brown sugar, um, and it, it has all the different nuts. It's a spicy it's a spice cake, cake yeah. yeah.
0: And one thing I would say, Bill, just be careful with the fresh fruit. I think it's a great idea, but remember, it has a lot of water in it that the uh, dried fruits do not have. So fruit. you may end up with a soggy cake if you don't compensate for that.
2: Oh, yeah, like I'm going to stick with the dried fruit. I thought about using. But, yeah, you know, I, I figured it would be too warm. Yeah. I'm just going to make maybe just a small one. I, you know, so many of them recipes that you, you look up, they, they, they look for about, like, about maybe a pound of flour and a pound of butter and all that stuff. I just want a little small
0: ones. Okay.
3: Well, you may have to make several small ones. <laughs> it, it's, best, it's best made in bulk and... Uh, Another thing I'll share with both you and Bill, Mel, is there is actually a society for the protection and preservation of fruitcakes.
0: Well, as there should be. There should be. And so go you and can go online you, and search. Bill. Looking yeah. for the, Bill, thanks for calling, and uh, happy holidays up in Greenwood. Uh, we're going to go to our interview now with Chef Carla Hall. Carol, that sure was fun having her here.
3: It really was. It was just such an honor for her to stop by, and I'm sure most people have seen her on the Chew or other food shows. She is a lovely woman and um, a former model. I hope we talk about that on her her segment. But what I love about her is she believes the cooking experience should be happy and peaceful and if it's not happy and fun you shouldn't be doing
0: it. Don't do it. Here she is Carla Hall. (laughs) You're listening to Deep South Dining. I'm Malcolm White here with my wonderful co-host, Carol Puckett. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Chef Carla Hall. Chef, thanks for joining us today. And I know many people are familiar with you from your time on the TV, The Chew, Top Chef, and, of course, from your fabulous cookbooks, the latest of which is entitled Carla Hall's Soul Food Every Day and Celebration. Welcome, Chef Carla Hall.
6: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Man, we're so happy to have you in the city with soul.
6: Yes, I've, I, soul is everywhere. I, there was a spa, a soul spa. There's <laughs> souls on everything. And, I, <laughs> and have
3: you had soul food since you've been here?
6: Oh, I've only—I haven't even been here 24 hours, and yes, I have. <laughs> if you haven't had a pig ear, oh, wait, then you're way Saturday. behind the curve. That's Saturday. Okay. okay
4: also good. in
0: the studio with uh, Chef Enrica. <laughs> Hello, hello, Williams. Who has uh, a great friend of this show has uh, been our guest many times, and you two are here working on a project together. You're friends, mm-hmm. and uh, I know our listeners would love to hear a little bit about that.
4: Um, so, Carl and I met actually at a dinner that we did at the Salamander Resort a few years ago um, for St. Jude raising money. Uh-huh. And um and
3: where's the salamander resort? It
4: is outside of Washington DC. And gotcha. so and so there was a there was a group of chefs that were paired up and we had to create these meals it was for a benefit. And I didn't know that I was going to be paired up with Carla because she was the MC chef of the event. So I was already excited about that. And then so I got an, an email of like, "Oh, by the way, we paired you with Carla." <laughs> died. Okay. So, died. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah. <That's right.
6: laughs>
4: yeah. And so, and then after that, we just kind of kept in touch. And then when she was doing research for her book, I had recently moved back to Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she has to come to Jackson. Like, she just has to come. And so we reached out, mutual friends, connected, ate some food. Mm-hmm. Um, we went and visited Footprint Farms. And it's just been. It's yeah. just been that connection ever It's so a pairing since.
0: made in heaven.
4: Yeah, I
6: think pairing so. A pairing made in heaven. Yeah. So, <laughs> What did you
3: learn here when you were doing your cookbook?
6: Well, one of the things that I was looking for, I mean, I'm from the south, so I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. But I think that when you live in a place, you tend to take it for granted. And so I had come back through, and I, it was a five-city tour. We were in um We were in Charleston, we went to Savannah and Birmingham and um, we were in Selma, We 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 finished in Tennessee but then we came here and I wanted to specifically with the intention of looking at southern food and imagining what my grandmother would have eaten or my ancestors when they came from West Africa. And so I wanted to talk to black farmers, black chefs, and really immerse myself in the culture because I had taken it for granted, but I hadn't really come back to look at our food from an outsider's perspective. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, you grew up in Nashville. Are your grandparents also from that part of the country?
6: My grandparents are, they are from South Carolina and, um... Yeah, Mississippi. Oh my gosh, yes. So uh, your grandmother uh, Thelma is from. So they're from Mississippi. Um, my my grandmother, my grandfather, my two grandparents, all of my people are are from Mississippi, mm-hmm. South Carolina, and Tennessee. Wow. Alabama, there's some Alabama in there. Left so Alabama. they're all y'all get around. We get around. People <laughs> in the South travel, That's don't right. we? Slowly, we move slowly.
0: So you've done a lot, an awful lot in a, in a short time in your career. You, you've been an accountant, you've been a model, mm-hmm. and now you are a chef. But
6: that I, make all makes sense to me. Of
0: course it does. You got left and right brain going on. <laughs> all at right. the same That's thing. exactly Very right. Very few people. Uh, have that experience most people settle on one side of the brain and live there their whole lives and you have been moving from left to right throughout this experience that's fascinating background
3: and I see it as being a chef who knows how to save money and make money (laughs) with the accounting side
6: I love a good spreadsheet let me just say that I I love a good spreadsheet I think for me I, I wanted to do theater and because I didn't do it um, and I loved – I didn't get into Boston University. It's a long story. But um, I loved my accounting teacher. So then that's how I ended up going that route. But I think when you're when you're a creative person, you're going to always want to get back to that. So I do love numbers. I love structure. I love all of that. But I, when I was an accountant, I was like, this is not going to work. Mm. And, and I said, I don't want to be 40 and hate my job. And so that's what propels me is not necessarily boredom but joy. I'm always chasing and choosing joy.
0: You and me both sister. Enrica, now, how do you feel about numbers and spreadsheets?
6: I'm the
4: opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the opposite. You're like most chef. Chefs yeah, I'm I'm more literature and humanities and art. That is my mom is definitely figures and spreadsheets and she's brilliant. I am not. Mm. I'm functional. You know, I can gotcha. add, subtract. <laughs> well, I know that yeah.
3: you send out your invoices in a timely. Way.
4: I, I'm working. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I try to get better with that because you know I get sidetracked and I and I deviate from what I'm supposed well, to do Well, I want to
3: give you you know big kudos for that well, because thank when you. when you have an event with Enrica, by the time you get home, there's no question about it. You know, your the bill is there, everything's clean. And, Thank you. You know, sometimes you have to wait, 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 right. wait. Right.
5: Yeah.
3: You know, and by the time you get the bill, you go, what was that we had? or What was,
0: <laughs> what was that <laughs> from?
3: So you're, you're more of a businesswoman than you're giving, giving yourself credit for. Well, away. I'll take that Although and I receive it. Although you didn't work at Price Waterhouse. Like <laughs> no, I no,
4: I did not. I did not.
6: Congratulations. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so bring us from Howard University uh, to Paris. Just give me that segment of your career.
6: Okay, so I was maj- I, I majored in accounting at Howard. I went to Tampa, Florida to work for Price Pricewaterhouse. After two years, I'm like, oh my God, I hate this. And I said, I, I can't be 40 and hate my job. So I quit two weeks later. Um, and I've been doing fashion shows at Howard. And that's how I met people when I was in Tampa. And I met these girls who were going to Paris who were models. And I said, you know what? I, I think I'm going to do that too. So um, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I met somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody else, and then they knew somebody, and they were friends with somebody. (laughs) And I got a telephone number, Mm -hmm. and I had that one telephone number, and it was a girl who was from um, who was from New Jersey, Newark, Roslyn Johnson, and that was the telephone number that I had when I went to Paris. But I didn't call her yet. I got there, I got a pensione, and my mother let me go, and I was just like, you know, I was just hanging out. And um after about a week I called her and we started um, you know just doing the model thing and I got an agency and that's kind of how it went. It's not a real sexy story. It sounds sexy. Oh, come on now. It
4: sounds sexy. A
6: girl
3: you look hairs. sexy in, in the model shots I've yeah. seen. Yeah. Right?
6: Well, you know, you're supposed to.
5: Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> right, but not every everybody pulls it off. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you're right, you're I, I think to. I saw a segment of the Wendy Williams show yeah. you did one time, and you had on, like, not thigh-high boots. You had on some really...
6: thigh-highs. I have a few of those. Yeah, thigh-highs, mm.
3: thigh but you did a perfect model's turn. Yeah, on, I know, On the show, showing off your boots and... Um, Oh, you—you flatter. You can tell, yeah. You can tell there were there were some good model training there.
6: You know, I just want to say to all of the listeners out there, and you probably don't talk about this on on your show, but the the key to wearing heels is to pull up mm. in your core because that is the key to looking good in those heels. Mm. I just want. To, you yeah, know.
0: could I pull up my core?
6: You can, Uh even in your sneakers or whatever, your your dress shoes, yes. Great. You know, when you're doing that high-heel race, yes. Okay. Well, this is good information because this
3: show is uh, is about culture as well as food, and I think that
6: would certainly fall under a great cultural tip.
0: So how did you get into the food world as we know it?
6: Well, what I realized, and this is all in looking back, what I realized that the Sunday suppers that my grandmother made – in Lebanon, Tennessee, which is about 30 miles outside yeah. of Nashville. i That was part of my childhood and growing up. And so when I went to France, the models would get together at this woman's house. Her name was Elaine Evans, and she was from Memphis, Tennessee, and she would do these Sunday suppers for the models. And it reminded me of home. And so, But I realized I didn't know how to cook because all the girls were like, oh, my mother makes macaroni and cheese like this. Well, mine makes the, like this. And I was like, I have no idea. And so I started buying cookbooks. And and that was really the way that I got involved in cooking. And it was a way to say thank you for the people who allowed me to couch surf.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, being a model in Paris must require a certain regiment of eating and not eating and dieting and taking care and fitness and all this, that you somehow moved out of that world right into the soul food, lay it on the plate, let's get real.
6: Well... A lot of it was that. It was, you know, trying to maintain a physique, but it was also being homesick because we were in another country. And so I never ate Oreos. I hated Oreos. But when I was in France, when I was in Paris, I craved Oreos, I craved things from home. And and Oreos were expensive at the time. They were $10 a bag. So to go to a market and have macaroni and cheese, and we would have uh, buffalo wings, and we would go in early to get the turnip tops to have turnip greens, they would throw them away. So it really was this time of coming together. And I realized not only there did I crave that, but I also craved um, when I was doing Top Chef. That's why I did that homey food because Mm -hmm. I I needed comfort, something to calm me down and something to connect me and ground me. And it really was the food. Well, your chef
3: training is also classical. You went to, did you go to Academy de Cuisine?
6: Yes. I went to the Academy de Cuisine, which was a French uh, cooking school in Gaithersburg, Maryland, outside of DC. And, um, And so now I just use those techniques to make the food. And I think that if you look at a lot of chefs, not even, you know, southern chefs, but coming back home to your culture when there is a lot more connection to the food, the food actually tastes better Mm -hmm. because you're not cooking with your head, you're cooking with your heart. And that's what Enrique and I talk a lot about. And it really is getting back to that heart.
3: Uh, that was one of the things that Malcolm and I were talking about. Before before you came, we could understand the connection between the two of you because you talk about that we should be calm and happy in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, Enrica really exhibits those traits. You're a happy cook <laughs> and stay cool. So I, I can see that
6: y'all would... Uh,
0: now, you're laughing, Enrica, but you are.
6: It's, 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 it's actually a blush, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I always say if you're not in a good mood, the only mm-hmm. thing that you should make is a reservation. Reservation. A reservation a res-
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think we recently had a guest on who, who was talking about his cooking, and he, so we asked about his wife's cooking, and he said his wife did one thing really well. One dish and I'm sitting here thinking this is gonna be this great dish and he says, She makes a great reservation.
3: Yeah. This was Sean Brock
6: from Nashville that, right, we, were, right. that,
3: yeah, that we were that we were talking guy. about another Nash- guy. Nashville
6: guy. But well, you know, there is something to making great reservations and going online and figuring out how to choose from all of these restaurants. Right. There is something to that and um, if ever I look at the the comments and someone says interesting, I don't go there. Mm-hmm. Interesting is
4: not a draw for me. It's, right. like, it's like a nice, I wouldn't go back.
6: Well, because, I mean, I think some people actually look for interesting. I okay. think some people want people to take mm-hmm. ingredients and, and and mark them up and, you know, and do all these interesting things to them. I don't want that. I really want some... Emotional connection, if it is, and even delicious isn't a good word because what does that mean? Yeah, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. I need some more descriptive words.
0: So if they yeah. say, "I didn't particularly like this restaurant, but they uh, had an awesome staff or a, an amazing dish that just didn't suit my fancy," that that's a, a better review for you.
6: It's a better review for me. I think if somebody <coughs> talks about um, the textures in the food and variety mm-hmm. and freshness mm-hmm. and the ambiance and the staff. I mean, it's everything when mm-hmm. you go to a restaurant. It's not just the food. But if, if enough people say, oh, my gosh, I will come back here next week. Yep.
4: Or I've been there like seven times in three days.
6: <laughs> I, can't like I can't stop going I can't stop going. Those are good indicators yes, for me. Yes. Right.
4: I have to try that and see what it is that brings you back that many times in such a short
6: time.
3: Well, I know that last time you were here, you went to Sugars in Jackson. And I think even one of their recipes landed in your book.
6: It did. So Miss Cindy's baked chicken was so delicious and so tender. Mm -hmm. And we were going to eat after that as well. But it is fall off the bone and her food is light but soulful and delicious and i think it's a misnomer when people think that our food has to be heavy and, and, covered dra- in and gravy right covered in gravy and pork everywhere when southern food is agrarian it's an agrarian cuisine which means vegetables and those vegetables don't have to be laden with fat and pork and all of these things and and so that's another place where Enrica and i Connect and and for my book, I want to show the celebration dishes, and I don't want a low-fat mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm also not going to eat it every day. I'm not even going to eat it once a week. And but there are all of these everyday dishes that I had growing up that my grandmother showcased vegetables, and they're fresh. And and so I took the idea of those dishes, and I took the idea of the of those dishes. And I'm sort of pushing grains and sorghum and millet and and mm-hmm. grains like that that are from Africa that we need to get to know and get to know our history.
0: Do you have a comment on this this fad about the Nashville hot chicken? I mean, it's it's in everything now. I'm surprised they they're not doing it like pumpkin spice, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I know it's a real thing. My brother lives in Franklin, so I've been going to Nashville all my life. I have one of my best friends went to Vanderbilt, and I ate Nashville hot chicken and loved it. Loved the places. Yeah, you probably
6: went to Prince's. Yeah, but now it's like now it's it's
0: just gone beyond.
6: Well, it's gone beyond because a, a lot more people are going to Nashville. That's so true. I think that and they go to Nashville and they're like, oh, my gosh, hot chicken. I remember when I had my restaurant for a very short period of time and then Kentucky Fried Chicken came out with hot chicken. People are like, oh, my gosh, aren't you mad? I'm like, it's actually, over. no. Well, <gasps> but no, it's because I can't afford the marketing that Kentucky Fried Chicken mm-hmm. can afford. And it was about educating people about this dish that is in Nashville. So it was the same thing that, that happened with kale. As soon as a lot of people know about it it is it's marketing and then everybody wants to know because normally it's just a pocket of people mm-hmm. who know about something and as soon as if they, if they like it then they try to put it everywhere so yes it is an, a bit of an eye roll but it also puts a city on the map Right. Which is why we see all those cranes in Nashville. Oh, That's my right. gosh. And all that traffic. <laughs> and all of that traffic.
0: So I guess if, if Kentucky Fried Chicken came out with a Mississippi catfish dish, that would probably be helpful to
6: our industry. That's exactly right. Yes. Well, it's great I have idea. to
3: give um, some credit to Derek Emerson, one of our local chefs who owns Kate Restaurant in Renaissance, has a... Jack's a spicy hot catfish, Uh Nashville style, on his menu. Menu, and it's you know catfish chunks, and he puts it on white bread, just like they do the hot chicken in Nashville, and you get all the the juices that soak into that bread, and it is just. Are there pickles and
6: white onions?
4: It is just divine. I know that they also have something at um Fine and Dandy and they do the Nashville hot fried oysters.
6: That's
0: right.
4: And okay. they and they also use the white bread, the fried oysters, and it has uh pickles and the white onions mm-hmm. on it and they cut the the white bread into like triangles so it's like shingled on a plate. Uh
6: uh-huh.
4: and it's it's really good. It is definitely the Nashville hot flavor of uh all of the spices. And it's like an appetizer. I think they have it at night. I've had that. I haven't had the catfish though. Yeah, it
6: is. It's delicious. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, if you go to Nashville and you get a hot fish sandwich, it has nothing to do with hot chicken. Hmm. So it's fried fish, whiting or catfish, mm-hmm. and then you have it on the white bread, and you have pickles, and you'll have onions, and then you get hot sauce. Hmm.
4: Do
0: they call it pan trout?
6: Yeah, we call it pan. You don't call, call it, it. pan trout?
0: Yeah. yeah, whiting. Have you ever heard that term?
6: No, we don't call it that. Yeah, it's interchangeable. Yeah, so because you
4: know? yeah. so, I have to remember because I, I I love pan trout. That's like my favorite. So.
6: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Well, Chef Carla Hall, we are so delighted that you stopped by. I know you got a very busy schedule, and Enrica Williams. Thank you so much for being our friend and being here today. Uh, Carol and I, it's it's real honor to have you guys in the studio. As we leave, would you tell us a little bit about your new cookbook, Carla Hall Soul Food Every Day and Celebration?
6: It is a collection of recipes that are exactly that. The, the comfort foods that you know, mac and cheese, um, oxtails and sweet potatoes, but also lots of grains, uh, lots of vegetables, lots of very approachable recipes. And I think one of the things, one of the things that I pride myself on doing is making recipes that are approachable for the home cook. And the ingredients are available in regular grocery stores and, I even thought about the washing up. So if I could take away a dish, you know, um, where you could do with one less dish, because I'm thinking about the cleanup, then I did it. So um, there's some really delicious—well, I didn't think they were delicious, they wouldn't be in there, would they?
4: (laughs) 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 I think it's a really (laughs) approachable (laughs) book, and I think
6: it's a great way of looking at soul food.
4: And it's also a beautiful book, the pictures and the story. Because you're in there.
0: (sighs) She's blushing again. <laughs> Who's your photographer?
6: Um, his name is Gabriele Stabile, and my co-author is Genevieve Coe, and she's now okay. with uh, the LA Times. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: And you don't have to be a model or an accountant to enjoy this book.
6: No, you but don't. there's
0: nothing wrong with it if you are.
3: <laughs> I, I have one more more question to ask. I don't know if it's a question, but I'm really interested in your journey as an African American woman. That you went to Howard University, which is really the preeminent historically black college in uh, in America, and then you've had this wonderful journey with this cookbook, and and tonight um, you're you're going to be at Smith Robertson Museum, which was the first. Public school for African American mm-hmm. children, and where
0: Richard Wright yeah. went to school. Yeah, and it just seems writers. like it's
3: yeah. it's all part of a journey. And uh-huh. hearing you talk about West Africa, can you just speak a little bit about that?
6: I think that um, you know, growing up in Nashville, and then finding myself at a French cooking school, I wanted to go as far away from our food as I could run. I um, was doing French food. I did not want to be <clears throat> I did not want to be considered a black chef who did soul food. I ran away from it. And then I had gotten my DNA done through African ancestry and and just the the connection to my culture. And I was just like, why am I running from this? Why am I even calling my food food? Southern food, because I think there is a difference between Southern and soul food. Mm-hmm. And and I say simply, it is black cooks, but it is t- the ability to own who you are and do your food. And it has a lot to do with understanding your culture. And so when I go places, if I can love myself as a black woman, that means that I can love you as whatever or whatever your culture is and whoever you are. And, and so that, that is, that's really what my journey is about. And even when I was on television and sharing who I am and, and not, um, not wearing my natural hair or, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I, I want to present myself as I am. And so I think that, <clears throat> I think that going to the museum tonight and going to Howard University when, There is African-American studies, and it's about learning about ourselves and loving ourselves. And so that's what I want to do through food.
0: Well, welcome home, and thank you so much for coming by to see us. (laughs) And that was Chef Carla Hall. And Carol and I sat down with Chef Hall and Chef Enrica Williams a few weeks ago when she was in town for that event. If you missed any part of the interview, you can listen again. The entire show today will be podcast later all right, it's time for our last break. And remember, it's our last show of 2019. So if you want to talk about Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, New Year's Eve, or Christmas breakfast, please give us a call 1 877 MPB ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. We are back live right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Deep South Dining.
4: We're here tonight, and that's enough. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time Simply having a wonderful Christmas time The party's on The feelings
1: What are the top 10 ways to listen to MPB Think Radio? Number 10, the iHeartRadio app. Number 9, TuneIn Radio. Number 8, Amazon Alexa. Number 7, Google Home. Number 6, Deezer. What's a Deezer? Number 5, Spotify. Number 4, Stitcher. Number 3, YouTube. To listen to a radio station? Yeah, all the kids do that now. Number 2, Apple. And the number 1 way to listen to MPB Think Radio? The MPB Public Media app. Free in the iTunes and Google Play Store.
5: What about just over the radio in the car? Yeah, you can do that too.
0: Welcome back to Deep South Dining. I'm here, Malcolm White, with Carol Puckett. Carol, welcome back. It's almost Christmas.
3: It is, and the weather outside is frightful, but I'm going home to my fire this morning (laughs) and make artichoke lasagna. How about you?
0: Well, I've got a few more errands to run, some things to pick up, and then we just hunker down. Um, As I said, we have guests coming on Christmas Day. We're so excited to, to gather family around really a very historic uh, table at our house. Uh, Kara was able to get her great-great-grandparents uh, dining room table from Northern Virginia. They are Chesapeake Bay people. They live up in the Northern Neck, and somehow or another we were able to secure this old, beautiful table. And you've eaten at this table. I before. have eaten.
3: It was a great honor to eat there. Was there not a U-Haul involved? <laughs> there was lots a of twisted U-Haul turns involved. coming to, and going
0: getting going that the big Smoky old, Mountains. <laughs> at that and then getting it into our home. So, so anyway, you know, Christmas is a time for tradition and memory, and and we we love to. Uh, look back and remember great things that happened. And I was digging through some papers in my office the other day, and I found my menu card from Christmas 2003. And the reason I have a Christmas uh, menu card is because of our great friend Willie Morris. He used to make a menu card for almost every occasion and every dinner that he and Joanne hosted. He would always come up with a menu, give the menu items, clever names, draw it up on a big poster board, and have it posted as you came in to their home. And uh, each was served uh, as it was listed on the card. You have attended a few of these meetings.
3: Yes, yes. Um, The names were wonderful. I remember Eggplant Eudora. Ah,
0: yes. All right, so here is my mimicking Willie Morris for my Christmas 2003 dinner. We started with Mal's deviled eggs, named after my daughter, who loves deviled eggs, followed by grilled asparagus Willie, a tip to Willie Morris, of course. Then lemon duck, and then I added daffy. So (laughs) roasted lemon daffy duck. Stuffing Carolina Merle. Snap beans, red neckin'. Sweet roots, Wiggins. Barbecued pork ribs, Dixie Dew. Cornish mother hen cranberry relish gran after the great gran zita who uh, was long at hall and mouse then red and green velvet cake followed by rumatum cake which was a rum cake and that was our menu now in 2003
3: so very clever
0: <laughs> so if you're looking for ho, ho, ho. A, if you're looking for a new tradition make yourself a menu card
3: well i love with menu cards
0: Place what well, place cards? Willie always had place cards.
3: He did. He did indeed. But um, I, I love menu cards. I do it often. I I do it. I get them sometimes printed, like it's Sir Speedy or Kinkos. Especially when you've gone to a lot of trouble on, mm-hmm. on a meal. I mean, the guests are really uh, appreciate it. It's for them, really, yeah. d- to understand all the yeah. dishes and things
0: that went into it. It's a lovely touch, so if you whether it's want, on
3: a uh index card, a right. post it note
0: right, or written in a lovely uh yeah. pre
3: or like Willie it was really, really a white poster board right. and a red or black magic marker.
0: All right, we've got a caller. we got Brandon calling from outside Tupelo up in the northeast hills. Hello, Brandon. Hi there. How are you sir?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. My sister and I are uh just uh, we're on a road trip and uh, tuned into your station, and it's so refreshing to hear about uh, different Christmas traditions in, a, in in the South. And love your show. Wanted to share. We're from Arizona, and we're uh, my sisters in the process of relocating to the South. Yeah. And one of the things we did as uh, you know in the Southwest Arizona area is uh, we used to make tamales from our grandmother's recipe. So that was a big Christmas uh, tradition. And uh, a lot of work goes into it. It's a multi-day process, spreading masa onto corn husks and pressure cooking and roasting the vegetables. So red chili, yep, and all that stuff. So I just wanted to share that as a Christmas tradition with you guys.
0: That is terrific. You know, Carol and I have done a, a show an entire show on tamales. You two, know, shows two shows on tamales. Me. You know, for some, well, there is not some reason. For a real reason, we have tamales in our neck of the woods. You know, Mississippi has a great tamale tradition, primarily out of the Mississippi Delta. And so while it may not have made its way to the Christmas table yet, we appreciate that out in uh, your part of the woods that tamales are a tra- tradition. Can you share kind of your recipe uh, for how y'all make them?
1: You know that's a good thing. I'm gonna I, I, my my sense of how we basically the recipe. You know we used a lot of pork, uh, yep. shredded pork, red chili. Um, very, pretty. I, I can hear sister r- pushing that
0: yeah, red sis- chili. sister's out. chiming in there. <laughs>
1: she, she's chiming in with the red chili for sure. Uh, and then uh, you know I would say uh, I think you know it wasn't it wasn't super complicated. My our mother used to so. My mother is uh, Irish Catholic, and and my father was uh, Hispanic, and so she actually got better at making the the tamales than anyone else. And uh-huh. she actually had a tamale company for a while. So for me, as the youngest kid, I remember just spreading the masa, which was the most painstaking job that you got stuck with as a little kid.
0: Uh, you, yes, you know, you would have
1: to put a spoon in an ice cube to kind of get it so that you could spread it easier, um, but. It's the thing that I love most about it as a Christmas tradition is that it's the kind of activity where everyone gets involved. Uh, it made me think. Of, what made me think of it was the woman who called in earlier talking about the fondue, uh, where everyone kind of has a job to do. Right. Um, you know, and that's you know for me that's what the holidays are really about: getting together with good friends and family and really just enjoying cooking together. So.
3: Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to call and encourage you to go on the MPB website and listen to our two tamale shows. I think you would find them interesting. And we welcome your sister to the Deep South yeah. and wish you safe travels over the holidays.
0: Yeah, happy Thank holidays, you. and thanks a million for giving Merry us a call. Merry Christmas to you guys. Merry Christmas to you. Anybody who has access to a phone can dial us up, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Carol, um, on the break, while we were listening to Carla Hall, uh, the interview, you were telling me about some— um, Gingerbread stuff that was fascinating to me. Some some statistics on yeah. the great gingerbread well, you know, house, I, I which I have love, one at my house. Yeah,
3: I love food history. But um, ginger was first used in baking actually in ancient Greece. But uh-huh. the gingerbread itself was um, became popular in the 1600s. And Nuremberg, Germany, is known as the gingerbread capital of the world. Goodness. And they had gills of bakers who created art pieces and elaborate designs. You know, it didn't have to be a house, it could be a gingerbread ship, it could be a gingerbread structure.
0: Wow. Well, you
3: but it, know, it's, a, it's a holiday. It's a tradition. beautiful thing.
0: It's a beautiful thing. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays and a very prosperous new year.
3: And I'll leave you with this thought that friends are the fruitcake of life. Some nutty, some soaked in alcohol, and some sweet by a guy named John Ronson. Oh, great. Happy great. holidays, Mal.
0: Happy holidays, Carol. And to you, Java to Chapman, Java. our great producer. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributors like yourself. Our show is produced by the one and only Jolly Java Chapman, our screener. Well, I don't know who our screener was today. For for my co-host, Carol Puckett and myself, stay tuned now for what's happening. It's called Now You're Talking.